I, I want to center our attention tonight on verse 3, the Apostle Paul here writing, and he says, If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, we see he's a, he was a mighty man of God. He was, as he said himself, Romans 1, verse 1, separated onto the gospel of God. In other words, he had given up everything. He had left family, friends, fame, fortune, whatever it was in his life. He had separated from all things onto the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ was his life. He had the possession of the gospel. He says here in verse 3, it's our gospel. And really he's saying to the, these believers here at the church of Corinth, this gospel, it's our gospel. It's our possession. We own this gospel. Now, the apostle Paul was not the source of this gospel. This gospel came down from the God of heaven. But he could say here, it's our gospel. And in this particular passage, he said in the verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He had the gospel. Well, I'm glad I belong to a church, a denomination, the Free Presbyterian Church, that has the gospel, that has the gospel. There may be churches in this community, I do not know Korean, Korean here so much, but uh, about churches. There may be churches that have multitude of people, may have crowds and other things within their congregation, but they haven't got the gospel. And, and I would rather preach to a handful of people the true gospel of Christ than be part of those sort of things. I have preached to a few people sometimes in England and Scotland. I remember preaching one time to an evening gospel service. There were three people. There was a wee woman in the organ, and there was a, a lady over here, and her husband, he, he was over the other side. I don't think it had fallen out, but uh, that's the way it was. He, he was looking out the door, and I had to preach. And I remember getting up, and I preached my heart out. But I was just so glad to be able to stand and to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you glad that you belong to a church that has the gospel. And may it always be the case. And the day comes, the free church hasn't got the gospel. May the Lord close the door. May the Lord close the door. Paul says it's our gospel. The preaching of the gospel. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. In fact, he says, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He realizes solemn responsibility was laid upon him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He believed in the power of the gospel. It was that Apostle Paul who said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1, verse 16, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Are you ashamed? of the gospel? Are you ashamed to take a stand for Christ in your neighborhood, your workplace? Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who is believing. Why is it we're here tonight in this meeting? Because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're glad to be saved tonight and washed in the blood of a lamb to take the world but give me Jesus. I hope that's in your heart tonight. The greatest thing in the world tonight is to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So these lessons can be brought, and I, I will be quick in my message, but he talked about a problem with the gospel. 
And what was that problem? The hidden gospel. The hidden gospel. And in his ministry, in his ministry, he went near and far, remember, preaching Jesus Christ, the gospel. But there were times in his ministry, this problem, there was a hidden gospel. The gospel was hid. And we have that problem today, you know. You have it in Colerain. You have it, I live in all along at the moment. Same problem. The gospel's hid. Now I want to give us three lessons very quickly tonight. In the hidden gospel, what do we see? The hand of Satan. The hand of Satan, the devil. We don't have to go too far to see who, whose hand is in hiding this gospel. It is the work of the devil because in verse 4, immediately after telling us in verse 3 about the hidden gospel, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. He tells us immediately who hides the gospel. The old devil. The hand of Satan's in this work. He doesn't want the sinner to hear or to receive the gospel message of Christ, so he hides it. There's a number of things how he hides it. He hides it very quickly. You know, the Lord Jesus tells about the parable of the sower, sowing the seed. We all heard it. We know it. In Luke chapter 8, verse 12, sower gone out and he's sowing the seed. And there he is, and he's sowing this great message good seed of the word of God. And the Lord Jesus said in verse 12, those by the west side are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But notice the connection. The word of God is only preached. The seed is only fallen on the ground. Then cometh the devil. He comes immediately. And sometimes he comes very quickly to take away the seed and to hide it. And that's what happens in our ministry. We preach the gospel. The devil's not far behind us. <coughs> He's not far behind. You're going to do a gospel mission. He'll not be far behind the sowing of the seed and the preaching of the gospel. Because he hides it, it sometimes very quickly, he hides it intentionally. And what I mean by that, he knows what he's doing. He's not playing a game. He's not playing the game. Our brother here and sister has now become grandparents. I'm a grandparents, a, a, a grandfather a few years now. And sometimes my wee grandchildren, I have 11 of them, and they say, Granddad, we want to play a game. And what do you want to play? Hide and seek. Well, they want to see me getting on their table or behind a chair and I'm playing and they're hiding and I'm going about, where are you? I don't know where you are. And I know they're hiding behind the door. They're under the table. Listen, we're only playing a game. But the devil is not playing the game. He's not playing the game. He knows by hiding this message of Jesus Christ, him crucified, that he will stop people being saved because it is through the foolishness of preaching God will save them that believe. He knows it's the blood of Christ that cleanses sinners from all sin. So he knows what he's doing. He hides it intentionally. Sometimes he hides it violently, what I mean by that. In order to hide the gospel, he, 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 gets, he gets people to, uh, sinners to rage against God's people and the gospel. The apostle Paul himself said in Acts 22 and the verse 4, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. So he's saying, here's what I used to do. I used to get people, Christians, and I cast them into prison. Some were put to death. But what was he doing? He was doing the devil's work. The devil filled him full of rage, full of anger. 
And sometimes the devil takes no prisoners in hiding the gospel. Now, we're not doing too bad in Northern Ireland at the moment, at the moment. Well, the day could come, the devil would stir up persecution against us and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Violently, he'd do anything to hide this message. And get people's hackles up when anger comes out and hatred in their heart to hide the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. He hides it very subtly. What I mean by this, he's very subtle and deceitful in doing it sometimes. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can read that chapter yourself. It talks about the deceitfulness of the devil. He has his ministers. It talks in that particular place about their message. Another Jesus, another gospel. What do I do? You change the message. The devil puts a substitute in hiding the gospel. He makes sure they don't get the true preaching of Jesus Christ. And he gives them a false message. And he hides it. And they talk about Jesus. But it's not the Jesus Christ that we love tonight or serve. He talk about another gospel. But it's not the gospel that saves. He, he hides it. He hides it very, very subtly. He confuses it with smells and bells and all the rest of it. Verse 4 tells us, he blinds the minds of them that believe not. So I want to say to you here tonight, the hand of Satan, he hides the gospel. There's people all around this church, and to them, the gospel's hid. You know that. There's people in your family that think you're strange, that think you're crazy. The gospel's hid to them. There's maybe people in your workplace. And the gospel, it's hid to them. The devil, the hand of Satan, is found here. And that's what we face today in our ministry. We all face this problem. And the gospel is hidden to many, even in our land today that we love so well. So we find here the, the hand of Satan. I want to go quickly. The hell for sinners. Notice what he says. And I want you to, to lay hold upon this tonight. If the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost now, these are very solemn words. The Apostle Paul is saying concerning those to whom the gospel is hidden, he sums them up in one word. He says, they're lost. Well, you and I know tonight, in a Bible-believing church like you've been brought up to and coming for many years, people's lost naturally. A sinner doesn't have to do anything to be lost. The born in sin, the Bible says, and shaping in iniquity. And Luke 19, verse 10, says of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. They're lost naturally. We know that. We know people's lost naturally. And we know they're lost intellectually as well. And what I mean by that, they haven't got a clue what the gospel is. I know in my outreach work, you meet people of all shapes and sizes, Different backgrounds, people come to the door, they've got the fag hanging out of their mouth. I remember one particular place, people smoking dope, and then the bad language and the lifestyle they live, they don't go to church or anything. You can talk and tell them nicely about things, you draw these lessons out of them, and then you ask them, Where do you think you'll go when you die? I'm going to heaven. Going to heaven. I said, Do you think you're just going to roll up? the gates of heaven like that there and say, Lord, I'm just going to get in. They haven't got a notion. They haven't got a, a, a knowledge of the gospel, what sin is against a holy and a righteous God. 
They think they're all right. They're, they're living a wicked lifestyle, but they're lost intellectually. They don't know about the corruption of sin. They don't know about the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he, he died upon the cross, how he's the only saviour. They don't know these things. There are people say, all you have to do is a few good works and you'll get to heaven. I met a man yesterday in Van Bridge and he could tell me about his wife and about himself. Just the good works they're doing. Is that going to get people to heaven? No, it's not. You see, they're lost intellectually. As Jesus saves, and his blood washes whiter than the snow. People don't, people's lost to this message. But I want you to grasp this. They're lost eternally. And that's the point I want to put in your heart tonight. If the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Lost in hell. And I want that to touch every heart tonight who hears me on the net in the meeting. Because we have friends and they're lost. We have family members tonight and they're lost. You have neighbors tonight. Maybe people come to your church and they're lost and they're going to be lost in hell eternally. And that's just sober up tonight in a sense and touch our hearts because people will be lost in hell. If this gospel, this great message of Christ remains hidden to them, then they'll be in hell. Well, not, that is true. That is true in Coleraine, true not along. It is true throughout our province tonight. There's a hell for sinners if the gospel remains hidden. But I want to say last thing very quickly about the heart of the Savior. You know, Satan hides the gospel, but God uncovers it. God uncovers it. How does he do this? Well, the preaching of his servants, verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And he says that the gospel's hid, and the old devil, he blinds the minds of them that believe not. But here's what we do. We preach to Christ Jesus the Lord. He preaches the gospel. Remember the great commission of Christ? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go and preach this message. And Apostle Paul went out and preached it. And I preach it. And others preach the gospel. We do it. Now, we are to do this. But that is not enough. Sometimes we feel we can we'll preach to you blue in the face. You've heard that expression before. We can preach to our blue in the face. But it's not enough. What do we need? The power of the Spirit of God. Look at verse 6. For God who commandeth the light to shine out of darkness has shined on our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, what does he do? He sends the light. He sends the light into people. He takes away the veil. He takes away the darkness. And he sends the light. And he shows people their sin. And he shows them Jesus Christ. He's the Savior of the world. And he brings them to the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. Thank God. He sends the light. Sometimes you hear people just converted, uh, and people mockingly say it to them at, at work or so on. You hear by so and so, wait, what happened to them? <coughs> he saw the light. Well, do you know, they mock those, they say those words mockingly, but it's true, isn't it? Praise the Lord, I saw the light. And you're glad you saw the light at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and you know, the burden of my heart. Why is it rolled away? I'll never forget the day I got saved, 19th of January, 1985. I saw the light. God brought me into the light of the gospel.
gospel. Thank God we need the Lord to do that today. And sometimes we praise, Lord, send the light. We sing that hymn, send the light, the blessed gospel light. That's what we need for Coleraine. That's what you need for this community. That's what we need wherever we are, serving the Lord, our brother, our sister in Kenya. We need the Lord to send the light. We need him. I think it amazed me when I got saved. I'm from a wee village called Glenan, just across a wee bit over a bit, or a wee hall, CW Hall. And I think it amazed me, and I went to children's meetings, and I knew there was <coughs> religious meetings in it and some sort, but I had not a notion what really took place in that hall. And the thing that amazed me after I got converted, the gospel was being preached in my village all those years, and I never knew it. I never knew it because the gospel was hid to me gospel was hit. And you know, the gospel is preached in this church, and the people surrounding area, they haven't got a notion what's going on here. The life-changing message of Christ is being preached, and they don't know it, because it's hid. Well, as a people, as a congregation, let us not hide the gospel. Let us not hide. Let us let's have your outreach. You're having a mission. Praise the Lord. May God bless you. So I'll be praying for that mission. Uh, and, and your outreach work and the work of one of the children uh, and do all we can to spread this message. We've got to do our part in this work. And we pray that God will send the light and many people will be saved. So remember these lessons with a hidden gospel and pray with all your heart that God will send the light and save many souls. Amen. Now, the second part here of my meeting tonight. I, I want to say first of all, I, oh, I want to thank Mr. Urban. He's, he's looking after the work at the moment. He's not here tonight. The session of the committee for the opportunity to come along tonight and to give a report of my work. So I want to thank you so for the opportunity of coming uh, tonight. I had to turn the clock back a wee bit. I'm not going back to the time I was born. You'll be here all night. But uh, I had to go back to my last time of deputation. So I want to go back to 2020, so just three years we, we go around churches. January, February, in, at that particular time, was a very special time for me because I completed 30 years in the ministry doing the work of evangelists. So it was very special to get to that number, 30. It shouldn't be 34 years coming up. Uh, and, uh, but nevertheless, it was a special time. Preaching Christ in different places and the gospel as a real privilege. I held a mission in St. Valley Orange Hall, and the reason being because it was 1990, at that particular time, that I had my first full-time gospel mission after leaving college. So I went back again to commemorate that time, 30 years ago, where I started out and uh, preaching, and I had a mission. I had a good time, and Lord blessed us, and it was a good mission. Just after that, the mission board had asked me previously, would I be willing to go to Tasmania? to look after the work in Tasmania because Mr. Hall was coming home and doing deputations and needed somebody to look after the work. Now, I have been in Tasmania a number of times and I've been in Australia a number of times, so I know the ropes and they asked me where to go. So I decided to go. Now, when I was out there early 2020, we all know what happened. Next minute on the television, there's boys in China walking about like spacemen and masks and, and all on them. And you went, what is going on here? And then there's this thing called COVID broke out. So we're watching it, I'm watching this way down in Tasmania, and Tasmania was a very safe place, there was hardly anything at all about it. And 
contact my wife at home and all. But nevertheless, we know what happened. It spread, and the word came out uh, from there. There the, the must be the Prime Minister over there in Australia. If you don't belong to Australia, get out of this land, get home. Well, I, I was nice and enjoying the sunshine and so on, but I didn't want to be away from my family. And so I had to cut my trip short to Tasmania, <coughs> and I had to reach home. I came home, and I says to Joan, Ah, this thing will be done and dusted in a couple of weeks. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I really, I really thought of. A couple of weeks, two or three weeks, the whole thing's done and dusted. And boys, it was powerful weather, wasn't it? In that time, about March, it's like summer. And uh, but you know, it wasn't done and dusted at all. And we all know about that. But you know, I had no church or congregation. My missions were all cancelled, and so I had no work. I couldn't, I, I, I maybe an hour opportunity speaking on the internet and so on. But all my missions, and all planned for that year, the missions was all, uh, that was a real blow to me, I have to say. So I gave myself to study and to prayer and any opportunity, and I'm waiting to get out and bullying to get out and to, to serve the Lord. I was furloughed onto the mission board. So it came in around September, I, I thought I must phone Colin Maxwell and see what's he at. And, uh, because, so I phoned him and, and I says to him, to, do you fancy joining up together? And I says, go out uh, and do a few open airs and so on around the streets. Oh, he says he'd be loud. He was ready to go out the next morning. And I says, well, we, we better ask the mission board. And all right, I guess any mission board members here tonight, uh, we better go through the ropes here. So we asked the application, tell them we're thinking of going out and putting out a table and all the rest of it and Bibles and preach the gospel. So that they give us the green light. Of course, there were rules and regulations uh, you had to see me standing in Lisbon one day, you, you'd have thought I was a doctor in the hospital. Uh, I had a hat on me, I had gloves on me, I had a mask on me and everything. And, uh, but I was just glad to get out, out on the streets and preaching Christ. I remember even before Colin and I went out together, I went up on the keel and put the speaker on in the middle of the town and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ standing in the streets. Boys, I was glad to get out again. I was like a dog getting out of a kennel who had been closed up. It was just wonderful. So Colin and I then joined up. We went out different places uh, preaching the gospel. Newry, Warren Point, Oma, Dungannon, Armagh, Pory Down, Newton, North, Belfast, Dublin. And we had a wee circle going. We were going round and going out on the street uh, and doing it. Now, we were reaching the lost with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. People perhaps wouldn't have been reached any other way. We were giving out tracts and preaching the word. Uh, and, and we thank the Lord for that. And I want to say... I love Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland is the best country in the world, by the way. And uh, I've been a few countries in my life. It's the best country in the world. We're mostly tolerated in Northern Ireland. You can preach. We have preached in Roman Catholic towns and Uri and so on. Uh, and it was always someday a wee bit sometimes. But mostly we're tolerated in a wee province. And I thank the Lord for that. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't have run-ins. doesn't mean they didn't get threatened with the place. Uh, the place was called. The place had been called. I remember we, we went to... Hillsborough, and we're only out, we're first day in Hillsborough, putting the wee speaker up, and the next minute this man was right in front of me, and he says, no way are you boys preaching here, he says, in this village, and he was telling us to get rid of it, so what, what happened, I says, I'll phone for the place, so Colin told him, go and phone the place, and then both of us told him, go, go and get the place, we dug the heels in, we says we're going to preach. That we set up our speaker, we preached away, and it was a lovely day, and we sat in a wee summer seat, and there's about three or four police cars drove past us. Maybe I need to go to spec savers, I don't know. But they never stopped. But I, I don't think the man didn't, he just threatened. Now, there were people 
did phone the police. The police were called us in the way. And I remember other people threatened. Anyone ever threatened me with the police? I used to say to them, phone the police. Just stand there, phone the police, and says, I wait till they come. Go ahead, phone away. Because here's the wonderful thing about it. You're allowed to preach the gospel in Northern Ireland. There you are. And I knew that. And I learned it. I had to go through different ropes. I had to be battles with a particular council. And they had to back off. And it says, preach away. Isn't that wonderful? And all but now I don't go out to be a, a nuisance. If somebody asks me nicely, so you don't mind, would you move up the street or something? I don't know, bother. But if somebody comes and demands that I don't preach the gospel, then uh, they've got a fight on their hands. We'll be preaching the gospel of Christ. So, but we have people run ins and so on. So, street not, you meet different people. There's a lot of people from different nationalities in their land. We know that today. Meet different people giving out tracts and, and other ones and Muslims and so on. You meet people who's really down in the gutter. And, and you know it yourself. You go to Belfast, maybe even in your town here, Coleraine, or, or people in the street. We were in, in Lurken yesterday. I saw a young lad lying up in the street and he feet up against a wall. And I think he had drink in his hand. Uh, you meet people <coughs> really down in the pit of sin. I want to say that to you tonight. It's only for the grace of God. It's, it's not me and you. I want to say that to you. And only for the Lord, it could have been me. I used to drink my time. It's only the grace of God we are here tonight. What the Lord has done for us, may we never cease to praise him. I remember meeting a woman, Dungannon, she's walking past me, just carrying these two bags, and I'm standing giving out tracks, there's a man with her, and I says, are you out doing a wee bit of shopping? Just to break the ice, waiting on her, come over the track. And she says, uh, liquid shopping. Oh, and I looked, and the lady had two bags of drink. I said, oh, you're not on the drink, are you? Oh, she says, I am. You know, she told me her story. She told me how she had a daughter, had a child. And just shortly after that one, her, her daughter had taken her own life. And you know, I was standing on the street, and I had a message for that woman. The Lord Jesus says, come unto me, all you labor. And heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It's not the drink you need. It's Christ. You meet people down the gutter, people held in drugs, people held in booze, alcoholics. You know yourself. So you're meeting all types, but the wonderful thing is we've got the life-changing message. We believe Jesus saves. And you know his blood had washes whiter than the snow. And so straight work, we, we did those sort of things. And there's other ones from Matton, Warren, uh, Dublin. I watch them at clock here as well. Now, <clears throat> discord, now, sometimes there's encouragement on the streets. You know, God, this is a wonderful land. I say this again. There's no land like, like Northern Ireland. I, I have knocked doors in many countries, but there's no place like here. You always meet Christians, and you can stand on the street, and you'll meet Christians. Now, they may not be free Presbyterians, but we don't believe that we, are, we hold all Christians come to our churches. Of course, that is not true. There are Christians out there from other churches, and I want to tell you, they encourage me when I do door-to-door -door work, and they encourage me when I'm standing preaching Christ. They encourage me. I remember one day Colin and I went to Bomb Bridge to do an open air, and you know Bomb Bridge, there are two lanes of traffic here, and there are two lanes here, and a big footpath in the middle, and I'm using the word footpath, but it's not a footpath, but a big aisle in the middle. And we set up our speaker, and we're about to, I'm going to preach. But the day we arrived, on the front 
page of that paper, it said about street preachers in Bombridge causing a bother, front page. And I said, boys, boy, look at this, we're here to preach. And look at this here, in the front page of, of the Bomb, I think it's Bomb, Bombridge Chronicle. Well, 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 we decided we'll preach away, because there's other boys going about, I don't think it was me and Colin now, before, I don't believe it was, there's other people going about, and you maybe heard of them as well, they cause bother. They're out for preaching bother, and they're, they're causing bother. So we were preaching away, Colin and I was preaching, and I was preaching, I think, I saw this man coming up. This car came up. He never even parked the car. He just stopped on the, on the lane where he was in, and he got out of the car, and he was coming across the road, and I was going to just say to Colin, just hold that there a wee minute, <laughs> and we'll sort this out. And he came over to us, and he put his hand out, and he says... It's good to see you fellas out on the street. He was a Christian. Ah, it's good to see you too. <laughs> and uh, he shook hands and he says, it was terrible what I read in that paper this morning. He said it was terrible. What I read in that paper. He says, it's good to see you fellas out on the street and preach away. And that's what we do. You got encouragement. So we, we did those sort of things. Then driving missions. I don't know why he did them here. We'd held gospel missions in different places. Muller Glass, Markytill, Money Slain, Glen Ann, Hillsborough. Tully Vaughan, right up on the border. There, I'm from Glen Allen, not far from Newtown Hamilton. Uh, right up there, we had a mission, a drive-in missions, really sowing the gospel seed. So why we, we, we were closed out of churches, couldn't do my missions. I love gospel missions. Couldn't do them. Yet uh, God gave us other opportunities. Uh, also then, holiday Bible clubs and five-day clubs at Kekeel and other places, and speak to children, came along as well, and I thank the Lord for that particular opportunity. I remember going to a couple of places, a couple of places, one time in Guildford, one time on along, and going into the wee uh, housing estate, and there's children running about, and all they heard the wee, wee children shouting, the Bible man, the Bible man. Well, I have many nicknames, I'm not going to tell you my nicknames, I brought up in a village, we didn't use your first name, my name's Noel, no, no, we, we had nicknames, but I didn't mind the young children saying, the Bible man, they knew what it was doing, and they knew what to do, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to children even as well, you see a bit about that in my presentation as well. So we do that sort of work, do calendar work in Hilltown. Hilltown's a Roman Catholic town, but go around those doors for a number of years now, and around again there last week, <coughs> Colin was with me, and then Reverend Murray was with me one day as well, and uh, we, we went around the doors, giving them calendars, and uh, sowing the seed as well. So those things that's happened, I go around the churches preaching as well, and we thank the Lord for all of those opportunities. Now we got back uh, to the missions, and Lima Valley 2021. I want to get back to the old-fashioned gospel missions. And uh, so we thank the Lord. It opened up again at that particular time. And we were in Lima Valley, and it was winter. Boys, it was freezing. It was cold. But, boys, it was just great. And the people came and supported us from the congregation, small congregation. And we had a great mission and a real blessing to our hearts. And I thank the Lord that... The doors opened then, 2022, a number of places, Bestbrook, Newcastle, uh, and different places preaching the word of God. And then this year, we had a, a busy year, full year, really, of, of doing gospel missions. And then I was doing children's missions in the summer. Uh, Marlin, and uh, Carrick, Fergus, Castle Coffee, uh, Park and Noor Manor House were there. Isle of Man, we were over in Isle of Man, dark place. John Knox, Shankill. 
Uh, I like working around the shankle, but a difficult, it was a difficult mission. Uh, hardly a people then, I want to say that. But thank the Lord for the opportunity. Mark Felt, I did a mission then. Uh, Colin, he goes down south in the summer, and I did a mission. Reverend McKay, then after uh, September, after my children's working all in the summer, uh, Newton Stewart, Risharkin, Aka Lee, Clocker Valley, and they uh, just finished that, and then back to the outreach again. And they uh, were doing uh, open airs at the moment. Tomorrow, we're, we'll be going to Armagh in the morning, uh, having open air in the middle of the street, and giving out uh, tracts and preaching gospel. And then in the afternoon, we go to Portadown. So we thank the Lord uh, for all the opportunities been given to us of preaching the gospel of Christ. I'd love to be able to say to you, souls have been saved all through our province. The power of God's fallen down. Uh, but it's not the case, is it? But that's not my business. My business is to behold the Lamb of God and point people to Christ. He's a savior of the world. That's my business. That's, a, that's my responsibility. And I want to say in closing here that, that there's no people like God's people I don't say that lightly, and I always say to my deputations, there's no people of God's people, because only for them I wouldn't be in the work. There are people who support me financially, and I thank them for that, and prayerfully. And I thank anyone here who does it. I want to thank you for that, for your support and help me. There's my little prayer card. Remember, check one of those, Joan and I's on it. Uh, there's good colours on it, as you can see. And uh, do remember that. Pray for us. And if you can support us anyway financially, well, thank you. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all your support as they do the work of an evangelist in Orwe province, because I say everyone here loves Orwe land. I love, I love Northern Ireland. And I may have long stay in Northern Ireland as well. And may we preach Christ throughout it, the length and breadth of it. And may God revive us again. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Thank you very much for having me along tonight. You're going to see the presentation here, and then our brother Stephen will take over the rest of the night. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Think about fans as meeting people, and sometimes I think uh, the Lord's given me the gift of the gab with some people because I love meeting people. Just uh, could be in the airplane, it could be in the bus, and I just love meeting people. But a chat and we talk about things, and then I try to bring it round. I don't mean I always get it right and I would never suggest that. But I like meeting people and I like chatting to them and I try to bring it around. And they might say to me, "What do you work at?" <laughs> well, they'll, well, if they ask me what you've worked at, <laughs> well, then generally that's. That's when I, I walk in advances, I preach the gospel, would you believe in God yourself? And then surely, generally doors open up and you get opportunities, a long life's journey, I had to say, in telling people the way of salvation. Well, I was born and uh, brought up in a little village called Glen Ann, just outside Market Hill and uh, lived there for a number of years. Uh, there was 10 in our family. I uh, wasn't really a religious family at all. So we were sent to Sunday school to get confirmed and all through the church, but no interest. For years, I was living for the world and uh, loved football, played pipe bands, went to the bars, everything. 
But there was always something missing in my life. I didn't know what it was at all that was missing. And a gospel mission came to my village in 1983. And I was one of the last people you ever expected in that mission. I, the Lord brought me into that mission. And I heard the answer at night. I uh, heard that Christ was the answer. For two years, two years, I was under real conviction of sin. And I was on the drink the night before. And Saturday morning, I woke up. And I said, Lord, I'm coming home. I looked out uh, through the window. What a fall of snow had been. What a fall of snow. But I went downstairs and I drove through the snow and I drove up to the minister uh, of the Three Presbyterian Church that time, knocked the door, and two years after the mission, I says, Can you show me how to be saved? He says, I can. And I got saved that day and came home. And they all thought I was mad. You know, so, well, something's happened to Noel. Something's happened to him. And I wasn't too long saved. And I had a burden, of course in my heart for the unsafe. I used to tell my friends at work about being safe. I told Joan, my family, I was telling everybody that I had found Christ and needed Jesus Christ to be their saviour. And it wasn't too long saved until I felt God walk in my heart that God was going to call me into ministry. And I sought the Lord and of course he called me and uh, he told me to do a work in the evangelist and I found what I had to do. So I entered the Whitfield College of the Bible in 1987 and so to about 1989 and so it was. In 1990 I started full-time evangelism and I actually started in Sign Valley Orange Hall in Kikil. That was, that was my first mission. And uh, up I came, full of sail of course, got out knocking doors and trying to tell, bring this great message of the gospel to people of Christ. Yeah. So that was how I started out in the work as a full-time evangelist in Northern Ireland. The work of evangelism has taken me not outside Northern Ireland, just how I always haven't been. I never wanted to leave Northern Ireland because I'm a homeboard. And I've been in England, Scotland, Wales, and of course further afield. I've been in Australia maybe six or seven times. I've been out around that work in Tasmania, uh, bringing the gospel to people. And uh, I've been an opportunity to go to America and to serve the Lord there for a short period of time. And also in Kenya. And it was lovely to go to Kenya as well and uh, to see the National Church, how they work and operate. Uh, tremendous opportunity of preaching the gospel in Kenya. It really was remarkable because uh, there were people who would come to hear you and that was very encouraging. Now, I had to get an interpreter, of course, somebody to translate and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, there was great opportunity. It was lovely to, to do that work and to bring the gospel to that people. Because it doesn't matter where you go, there's only one answer. Not right. Christ is the answer. It doesn't matter what country you're from, and that was the way. We've had opportunity. We think it's just really the goodness of God to me to to father the field, of course, to bring the gospel out, to father the field out into the world with this great news of the gospel of Christ. So part of my evangelism is door-to-door evangelism. Well, that's going out to homes, up and down lanes, country, towns, villages, to homes, bringing the gospel to the doorstep of people. And that's, I do that in a certain way. Now, I do a gospel campaign, of course. I go to the door, knock, and I introduce myself, who I am, and ask them about the mission, come to the mission, and try to bring it round to them if I can, you know, when the opportunity arises. And, and so I do that sort of work, of course, in, in my door to evangelism. And I do find, of course, you preach more to unsaved people out there 
than in, than in the church, in the mission. You'll get some, of course, come, and it's great to see them coming to the mission. But generally speaking, you speak more to the unsaved about Christ out on the streets, around the house estates and the countryside and their doorstep. You get opportunities, may just be little words about, well, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, and you must trust him. And, I, and so I, I do it my mission, and then sometimes I, I just, uh, maybe do, I do calendar work in Helltown. It's a real, it's a Roman Catholic town, and I go over there in December time, and I go on my calendars, and I go around the homes and knock the doors, and uh, get them a little calendar and gospel tracts. So I, I do that sort of work. Sometimes churches would maybe say, no, could you help out? They're doing a mission, and maybe do some door-to-door work. We go do some outreach work for them, go into the town and say, I go and evangelize that town, tell them about your church services, what's going on, and give out the gospel in different ways of that. So there's a lot of work out there, bringing the gospel out into all the world. It is a work that has to be done, uh, very important work, and uh, of course, it's a good work to do. But the thing, you don't know who's behind the door. <laughs> That's the thing about it. Every door is different. Every person is different who will who you meet and you do get opportunities to present the gospel but I have to say generally speaking I really do say this of all people people are generally enough nice to me and uh, very few now doesn't mean I've never been chased I have been chased or it doesn't mean I've never been bitten by a dog I have been bitten by a dog but generally speaking it doesn't matter who it is and I've been around a lot of areas over the years generally speaking I get acceptance with people about the Lord Jesus I remember one time, I, uh, my family, uh, they bought me a, a, an airplane ticket for it. Well, a little plane here around the morn uh, for my, a special birthday. I'm not going to do a number game. But I got up into this plane and I, my wife came with me and the boy took us all around the whole the mountains, all around the countryside. And you know, when I was away up there, one of the things uh, that spoke to me, I could look down and I could see all the homes that I have been in. I could look up around the little country roads, farmhouses, all over for miles, all around this whole, whole community. And I could say, up, up them lanes and around them homes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, that encouraged me because the Lord is over all and we're sowing the gospel seed of Jesus Christ. And in my evangelism, of course, I, I do gospel missions. Uh, of course, that contains doing door-to-door visitation before the missions, go around the homes and fighting people, giving out tracts and getting little witness around the homes. And I may stay, of course, maybe a week or two, two or three weeks, whatever it is, maybe, just depends what the churches want in the area at that particular time. And uh, we preach in orange halls, churches has me as long as other little places we put up a portable hall sometimes which is good in the field and i like those sort of type of missions as well good spirit by those old country missions out in the portable halls behind the heads as the boy says and uh, so we do that sort of work yeah and uh, we spend time in preaching the gospel and just trust indeed the lord to speak to many hearts and bring people in hard to get people in sometimes that's what we find sometimes it's hard to to get people in to gospel campaigns, but it's just wonderful to know that we have a God who's overall. And know it keeps me encouraged how God brought me in. <laughs> you know, the mission came to my village and I was one of the last people he says I've ever been that meeting. And that's one of the things that always encourages me in my missions, I remember. But God brought me into a mission. If he brought me in and spoke to me, well then he can still do it. He's still God of great power and of great mercy. I do find in fans sometimes when you, when we go out do missions, when we go into an orange hall, 
uh, put a portable hall up, sometimes put tents up, and you get people in who probably will be very hard to get in through the door. And you do look down, you see people come in, and we come in out of curiosity, what's going on here, that little portable hall, that little tent you've put up, and that. So you do find that people sometimes come into those places more so than the church. Now, certainly missions should be held in churches, and all for them, and no doubt about that. And uh, certainly we do thank the Lord for that opportunity of preaching churches for missions and to see people brought in to hear the word of God. Working in my work in evangelism, of course, uh, involves working with children. And uh, of course I do that when I'm asked, and normally my work is with adults, just gospel campaigns door-to-door visitation, but uh, when I do ask, I, I do work with boys and girls, and so that would entail come out five-day clubs, some churches have to go around, around a little community here in the summertime, we get them all out, get the accordion out and singing and telling the gospel, and then of course there's children's missions in our churches, or some of our churches will have me along to do a children's mission, so I think it's very important, of course, to reach the boys and girls, and I love, I don't mind, I love bringing the Word of God to boys and girls, it's, it's a part of the ministry that I like, I like a variation of it, of course, you say, so probably maybe around the summertime there, would lot, you know, it really would be doing holiday Bible clubs and out on the states with the boys and girls, so it's a wee bit of a difference for myself, but it's important to reach the little ones with the Gospel of Christ as well. I remember knocking doors one time in a particular gospel campaign and a girl came out and knocked the door and says, uh, how are you doing? And she said to me, I could save the one of your children's mission one year. Well, I never knew you think, you know, I, I never remember. So that was really encouraging. So even with the boys and girls and to see that sometimes in churches, you see them growing up and you know you've been speaking to them over the years in churches and then later on you meet them and they're growing on with the Lord and that. So that's, that was encouraging for us to see as well. So another part uh, really of my work is speaking around our churches and I thank the Lord for the opportunity to do that of course go around our churches, uh, there's empty pulpits and they're always looking for supplies in other churches so a lot of the Sundays of the year uh, we'll be going around our, our, our local churches here of course it brings me across to England sometimes and other places to fill in the empty, uh, empty pulpits there as well so it's lovely to go around the churches and to say well here's up the date report and what's happening and, you just trust indeed that, that people's hearts will be touched and to support us uh, at the throne of grace in this work. It's good that people pray for me and it, you know, it encourages me. Of course, we need to be kept safe. You know, we're out there in the world and you don't know what's out there, what you're going to face and so on. And pray for opportunities that people will listen to, you know, what we've got to say and that the word we do bring will find a resting place in the hearts of people. When you're moving around uh, areas with the gospel of Christ, we don't really know what, what, what God accomplished through our ministry. I know my labour is not being in the Lord. That is one thing that keeps you going and only for that the, the word of the Lord, of course, encourages us to keep going on, keep sowing the seed of the gospel of Christ. And you go into an area and you do it and you just know what really is happening. But you know, sometimes you might hear down the line of things happening to people, that people have been converted, who's come to Christ, whatever, you know. And uh, so really, as you know, our work is a work of faith. And uh, God works in the result department. And that's not my department. My department is uh, publishing the good news of the gospel, of Christ being the way, the truth, and the life. And we belong to pray for revival. 
oh, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the breath of God and take us back to the old-fashioned meetings and the old-fashioned power, the old-fashioned preaching of the Word of God and to see people converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people, along with myself, we would all lift up our voice and, and, and cry to God, will thou not revive us again? Do it again, Lord. Turn this whole land again. I trust I see it. I trust I see the breath of God. Uh, before I finished, <laughs> a few years yet than me yet in the preaching, but before, I, I would long to see that. Sometimes I think we can, we can get very slack as uh, believers, we can, we're saved, we're happy, we have everything, like you know, really look around us, we can come to place, but I think we can lose that burden, but my God never take it from my heart, um, I trust the people who, who listen, but never take that away from us, sometimes I fear we can lose the burden, the vision that people are lost. We've got to stop and realise, as, as believers, no matter where you're from, look outside, there's a world that's perishing. You know, there's people perishing in their sin without Jesus Christ. And there may be family, maybe neighbours, maybe friends, whatever, but they're lost and head, we know, heading down towards hell. How can we stop them? That's, you know, the only way we can stop them is the gospel and we've got to bring the gospel to people.